Amen. We're in the book of John, the book of John, chapter 20, the book of John, chapter 20. <clears throat> John, the gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 26 through 29, <clears throat> and it reads, and after, and after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. <clears throat> then came Jesus, the doors being shut, <clears throat> and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. <clears throat> then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Lord, I ask for your power, grace. Give me preaching power. Give me the anointing. Give me the insight to be able to do what it is that you need me to do. To bring a word like only you can. Help me, Lord, divide the word of truth and preach truth to power. Allow me to say what it is you want me to say and not what it is Maxwell wants to say. Increase your Holy Spirit in this house. Touch us all so that this word may fall on good ground and not stony or rocky ground or shallow ground. We ask for our hearts to be ready, to be convicted, lifted up, and stretched. We thank you for taking us to the next level in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As you take your seat, I want to speak to you from the subject, resurrection power. Resurrection power. A month ago, churches across this country and across the world celebrated the most significant event on the Christian calendar, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without the resurrection, there is no victory over death, no salvation, no hope. Christianity simply does not exist without it. As Christians, we must remember not only Christ's death, but also his resurrection. The resurrection is not only power for eternal living, but for everyday life. The power is clearly revealed in the lives of the disciples for the rest of their lives. In the moment that Thomas saw Jesus with his own eyes, we are not told what he did, but we do know what he said. My Lord and my God. In that very moment, Thomas declared that what had never been said before, this truly was a miraculous moment. I believe the reason Jesus confronted Thomas and his unbelief <clears throat> is because Thomas desperately needed to understand the reality of the resurrection for himself. Truth is that the resurrection of Jesus wasn't the only resurrection recorded in the Bible. While Jesus walked on earth, <clears throat> we're told of three other resurrections, we'll call them the little R resurrections. In the resurrection of the widow's son, Jesus stripped death of its power when he raised the boy right from his coffin. With the daughter of a man named Jairus, Jesus cleared the room from doubters. And when he raised Lazarus on the fourth day resurrection, we get a clear picture of God's power over impossibilities. In these instances, uh, resurrection declares something about Jesus and about us, about his power and our response to it. 
in these small R resurrections, we learn that life is possible, that hope is a real, is real as death, that faith can rise in the midst of chaos. When Jesus showed up and confronted Thomas, he really wanted Thomas to believe, to throw away the doubts and just believe. Jesus wanted his death and resurrection to mean something in Thomas's life. Jesus didn't die so Thomas would live the rest of his life in doubt. He died and was resurrected so that Thomas could believe and live free from doubt. No matter how numb you find yourself, no matter how dead and hopeless your situation is, this might even be your fourth day, as in Lazarus' case. You may have been in it for a long time, but it's no match for the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Life is still a very real possibility for you. If he conquered death, why he can't conquer your debt? If he conquered death, he can conquer your sickness. If he conquered death, he can conquer you being oppressed by racism. If he conquered death, he can get you to escape from police brutality. If he conquered death, he can conquer any ailment, any infirmity, any challenge in you. If he conquered death, he can build your business up. If he conquered death, he can help you start your entrepreneurial business in the midst of having nothing at all because he's powerful. He didn't down the cross so you can still be walking. Walking in doubt. Wish I would go down the cross for you to live with power. Man, Jesus, God told me to sound. No, I'm going to go down there and grab somebody, man. I went through all this stuff, God, and they down here doubting. And I put nails in my hands, a crown of thorn that cracked my cranium. I'm carrying the cross with my intros hanging out in one hand and holding the cross. In the other, I done walked up the way of suffering for you. I done became sin, something I never did for you. I conquered death just so you could have life. And you walking around here broke, busted, and disgusted, not walking in the anointing that I ordained you to walk in? Boy, I'm so glad I ain't Jesus. Y'all will be messed up. <laughs> Let's talk about John 11, 25 and 26. We've talked about this the last time I preached. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? I'm going to make three points right quick. First point, the reality of the resurrection strengthened the disciples' resolve. The reality of the resurrection strengthened the disciples' resolve. Resolve is defined as a commitment, boldness, and courage. When Jesus was arrested, tried, and crucified, it seemed that in one sweeping moment, the disciples lost all their resolve. What happened? I believe their fear and lack of courage surprised even themselves. You know how we, we tend to think highly of ourselves. We imagine scenarios when we, that we face our weaknesses and our oppressors. And we imagine ourselves saying just the right words in the right time, in the right moment. But the truth is we all have weak moments. Even though we prepare for the moment to talk about a situation of somebody continuing to mess with us, sometimes we don't do what it is we said we was going to do. We all have weak moments. But don't worry about it. We got some good company. 
Moses did many acts of valor and called ten plagues through God. And the Egyptians caused the Red Sea to part, but got to the point that he wanted to die because the Jews were getting on his last nerve. Elijah called fire down on a water-soaked altar, stoned, made of stone, killed 450 prophets all by himself. But when Jezebel said she was going to kill him, he found himself running from her and sitting under a juniper tree asking God to kill him. Job talked real tough in the beginning. Naked I came into the world, and naked I will return. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. But the battle got worse, and when it got worse and worse, he said, Cursed be the day I was born and formed in my mother's womb. Cursed be the breast that nursed me. Paul did mighty works of God, but he began to say, I was pressed above measure so much that I despaired of life. Jacob was a faithful man. He wrestled God and walked away with only a limp. And after, but after he got so much bad news, and the last time he got the last bit of bad news, he hung his head in depression. So don't feel bad when you have weak moments. The greatest men and women of God in the Bible had weak moments. Can you imagine the disciples coming together after the death of Jesus? One looks to the other, where did, I, where did you go? What did you do? What did you say? Did anyone stand up for Jesus? Imagine the shame and humiliation. Resolve is hard to come by when your life is in danger. It quickly diminishes when your family's life is in danger. Questions and doubt fill your mind. Thomas wasn't even the only one that doubt. He was just the most vocal. Thomas, like Peter, really loved Jesus. Why do I say that? Because he was, he, he, he was willing to die with Jesus. Let me go to another verse. John eleven sixteen. 16, when, when, when Jesus wanted to go to, back to Judea and everybody said, no, nah, man, remember they wanted to kill you? Thomas said, look at here, let's also go that we may die with him. That's right or die. He like, yeah, man, all right, Jesus, they're not ready to try to kill you. Everybody like, Jesus, why you want to go back? And Thomas like, man, look, don't let him go by himself. If he's going to die, we're going to die with him. So, so every time, we, we define Thomas by his one doubting situation, but he didn't doubt all the time. See, you can see what people are made of in difficult moments. What do you get when you squeeze oranges? You get orange juice. You squeeze lemonade. You can squeeze lemons. You get lemonade. But when you squeeze the disciples, in this case, you got fear out of the majority of them. When you squeeze something, what's in it comes out of it. Yet somehow, even though Thomas was loyal, somehow that resolve was out the window the moment Jesus was arrested. Why? Because Thomas was human. Because he was flesh and blood. And that's what flesh does in the face of a huge uh, disappointment and in a huge place of doubt. It, it, it puts doubt in it. Like, like many in that day, Thomas had two names. Thomas is Aramaic and, Di and, and Didymus is, is Greek. They both mean twin. It could literally mean that Thomas had a twin. But it also could refer to his faith struggle. All right? Because he's always was struggling with doubt. Come on, somebody. It, it, it's a little Dr. Jekyll and, and Mr. Hyde and everybody. It, 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 sometimes you do right and sometimes you wrong. Sometimes people say something wrong to you, you do good. And sometimes you just can't handle it no more. 
Y'all, y'all, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. I, 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 let me go on and leave that alone because we got the real Christians at 8 o'clock. You know, they don't do no wrong at 8. It's 11 o'clock, understand what I'm talking about, but 8 o'clock, you know, they, 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 they holy, you know what I'm saying? They, they riding on clouds. They ain't got no car. They riding on clouds to church, you feel me? <laughs> Thomas, like most of us, we believe and then we don't believe. We are courageous, and then we fear. We don't, we, 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 he, it's like the man with the epileptic seizures, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. He said, I believe, but help me, help my unbelief. I believe you, Jesus, but this time it seemed a little harder, and I know I'm going to make it, but I don't know if I'm going to make it. You know, ever been there? Ever been there? So I ain't going to lie, that's why I wasn't knocking your song, I was struggling with it. I, you know what I'm saying? So I wasn't knocking the song. I just wanted to make sure we, so we're going to just do both of them at 11. I ain't do both of them. But, 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 but. <laughs> so I ain't even got to sing. Y'all just know what to do. You know? Maybe we ain't got to get up and say nothing. But we struggle. He said, I believe, help my unbelief. One theologian said, this is not a sign of rebellion. He said, this is a sign of faith because nobody who doesn't believe can say, I believe, help my unbelief. Why do you say it that way? Because you understand that God can handle it, but your flesh is weak. I know when I get up here to sermon or go all right, but at the end of the day, I'm nervous. Why? Because I know it's not me that has a delivery. I got to wait on God to show up to bring you a word. Oh, come on, somebody. Can I tell you something? I don't like speaking in front of folks. This campaign stuff driving me crazy because I'm not preaching when I get up there. When I start preaching, the anointing hits me and God takes over and I become whatever God needs me to be. But to get up in front of somebody and talk... In my own flesh is a struggle. Can I tell you something? God will use your greatest weakness and make it your greatest strength. Why? Because he don't want you to depend on yourself. He wants you to depend on him. Ooh. God will take your messed up mouth and use it to be a prophet. He had to put hot coals on Isaiah's tongue because he cussed folk out so much. Had to tell Jeremiah to stop crying. Cried a whole lamentation. Cried a whole, a whole book. Shut up, Jeremiah. <laughs> Takes your weaknesses and uses them. You have doubt because God makes sure he puts you in a situation that you can't handle by yourself. <laughs> Jesus didn't reject Thomas, though. He drew him near. What I love about Jesus is he'll let you walk through your doubt. He didn't ignore Thomas. He let him talk it through. You know how some folks want to talk stuff through all the time, every day, the same thing. I know I get on some folks' nerves with some situations in my life, so I'm just going to put myself out there, too. Hey, he's talking about the same thing. But think about it. Jesus will keep listening to you. He'll let you talk it out. Even though he doubted him. And you know when somebody doubts you? See, I, I know I ain't Jesus. I, I, let me stop. I don't want to use my life right now. I kind of do, but I don't. I, it, somebody sent me a message, and, they, and it, it was, it, it, I think they thought they was saying it right. And they was like, hey, you know, I ain't going to say that. <laughs> Leave me alone. Y'all Y'all ain't right. Oh, that, that's 11 o'clock crowd. See, y'all, y'all visiting anyway. You ain't even no member. 
This is our second time coming to church. <laughs> Try to tell me what to do. On the third day, the third time you come, I listen to you, but this is just your second time. <laughs> Your fourth, all right, all right, all right, we're going to go ahead, your fourth time. <laughs> it's all good. Over four years at a span of four years, four times. <laughs> I'm leave that one alone. No, seriously, though, and when somebody doubts you, because people have said to me about, oh, you know, I, I, I know you, you running for this and that, and, and I know both of y'all, and both of y'all, y'all do good work. And they ain't answer no more. Because like, if you ain't with me, I don't want to respond. If you don't know where you at with me, I don't want to be nowhere with you. You understand? But I, so I know I ain't Jesus. Because if you inbox something and you wavering, are you with me or somebody else, I ain't talking to you no more. Till the game over. Uh-huh. But Jesus loves you even though Thomas doubted him. He let him walk it through. Let me bring it to you. Even though you didn't do what you were supposed to do last night, Jesus still walking with you. Even though you cut somebody out instead of turning the other cheek, he still walks with you. That's why the songwriter says he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I'm his own. Even when I mess up, he still called me his child. Oh, y'all don't understand. That's love. Because you know mama and daddy get mad. Your child acting a fool. It's your child too. <laughs> Everybody want to claim the child when they're on honor roll. When they get else, oh, that must be your side. That's your genes. It's one of your chromosomes. I don't know. One of your chromosomes and fell asleep on little boy, you know. Scripture after scripture attests to the power of the resurrection story in the lives of the disciples. Acts 4.2 says they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. 4.33 Acts, with great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Romans 6.5 says, for if we have been united with him in death like he is, in a death like he is, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like he is. See, in probably one of the most encouraging passages of Scripture, first of all, I just want to show you that. The reason we're going to doubt sometimes is because when we're doing something for God, hate is coming. Ooh. You know what he said? He didn't say he prepared a table for you in the presence of your family. He said, I prepare a place for you in the presence of your enemies. Why? Because I want to save the unsaved. See, see, God says, I chastise those who I love. Oh, come on, somebody. He said, I chastise those who I love, which means he don't chastise those who's not with him, but sometimes he allows them to touch you so he can have an excuse to touch them to show them who he is. See, he don't touch an unbeliever until the unbeliever start touching an anointed person. Oh, y'all don't hear me. And so sometimes at your job, you need to stop getting mad all the time and just say, God, I know you're just trying to make somebody a believer because when they touch you, it ain't going to work. They done touched everybody else in the job. 
Got so many people fired and rolled up and on probation, but when they cross you, because you anointed, it don't work. But sometimes when you go through so much hell and you get weary, a lot of times it weighs down on you. And sometimes you get doubt because the only reward sometimes you feel like you get when you come out of one battle is to go into another battle. And that's enough to bring doubt in my mind every now and then. Second Corinthians chapter 4 gives me the contrast of the frailty, everyday life and weaknesses versus the resurrection. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17, 14, and 16 go like this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Oh, come on, somebody. Even though my situation looked like I'm messed up and broken inside of me, the Holy Spirit is working it out because all things happen to the good of those who are called according to his purpose. I know you. You better look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I know I look like I'm losing, but I'm about to win because he who began a good work in me shall finish it in the name of Jesus. Even when I lose, I'm winning because everything that happens to me is for my good. When I lose, I don't take a L. I take a lesson, baby. And God is is teaching me what I need to do the next time. My L is not a loss. My L is a learning lesson, and God is about to take me to another level of operation. You better watch out because it ain't doing nothing but making me stronger. Every time the devil step at me, he may hurt my heel, but I'm stepping on his head every time. You better tell somebody the only reason my foot hurt because I'm stepping on the devil's head. I think one of his teeth in my heel somewhere. Y'all better start understanding the devil going to get some licks in on you, but the most licks he going to get is on your foot. The devil said, the God said, you going to step on the devil's head. I'd rather hurt my foot on your head than hurt my head on your foot. I know I'm too gangster for 8 o'clock. I'd say this for 11. It's my holy crowd. I can't, I'm going somewhere I've never gone before with them. The resurrection does what nothing else can do. It proves that Jesus is the Son of God. Nothing else does. Take away the resurrection and you take away the power of the cross. The disciples' resolve was strengthened in a way that transformed their lives for the rest of their lives. History tells us that all the disciples lived the rest of their lives spreading the news that Jesus was alive. All of them except John, the beloved, died a martyr's death. The resurrection was just a personal reality that gave them, was such a personal reality that it gave, uh, that it, they gave up their lives 
glory. Can I tell you something? Because you know Jesus died and rose from the dead, you should already know that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. There should be no doubt in you. If he died for three days, got up, made his bed, and gave you all the power that he got up with, that should give you some type of confidence. That should let you know that I don't care how high gas prices is, I'm going to still be able to get to work because God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Even if my check ain't enough, God will give me a good measure blessing, press down, shaking together and running over. Ooh. Thomas was perhaps the only apostle who went outside of Rome, or outside the Roman Empire to preach the gospel. According to Christian tradition, Thomas's reach extended as far as India, where he was martyred for his teaching on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not bad for somebody who we call Doubting Thomas. See, Thomas did change. He did not stay down in Thomas, but became faithful, bold, and courageous Thomas. Don't let anybody keep you where you used to be. Stop letting people keep calling you the old you when you the new you. In fact, don't even let them call you what you are now. Call them what you know what your ending point is. Remember remember when God told Moses how bad his brother Aaron was going to be, how he was going to wear this robe that nobody else could wear. He was going to give them all the 12 rubies to represent the 12 tribes of, of, of Judah. He was going to be able to talk to God when other folk died and came in his presence. And then when Moses walked off the mountain, there Aaron is, made an engraving calf down there, having an orange everybody down there doing crazy stuff and Moses got so mad he broke the Ten Commandments because he said God how in the world are you going to be calling him this and he is that because God does not look at your beginning he looks at your end he knows what you're going to be I know you're messed up right now but can you hang around some folk that got some faith in you that know you're going to be something bigger than you are <laughs> God calls me what he wants me to be, not what I act like sometimes. Number two, don't worry, two and three short points. I know you only been here four times. This only counts one time. Don't be talking about I here five times because your sermon was long. Number two, <laughs> the reality <laughs> of the resurrection strengthened the disciples' relationship with him. The reality of the resurrection is found in the relationship that Jesus had with his followers. How the disciples live out the rest of their lives tells us a greater story. It tells us a story of relationship. Not only did the disciples find the Messiah, they found their Savior and friend. The disciples were invested because Jesus was invested in them. He only, he not only talked about brotherhood, Jesus lived out brotherhood. So look here, if God himself, Jesus, the son of God, is going to have a relationship with you, who cares who don't want to have one with you? Some of y'all keep chasing these folks. That, who cares? They ain't dying for you. They don't have a heaven to hell to put you in. And you chase, ah! Let me just get out of that. Let you marinate on it yourself. After the resurrection, Jesus told Mary Magdalene and the other women, go and tell that my brothers. He said, go and tell my brothers. It was the first thing he thought of. He essentially said, don't be afraid. Make sure you tell my disciples not to be afraid. I want to meet them. He could have took that moment and let everybody know I raised from the dead. I'm the man. 
But instead of taking that time to sit up there and say, I'm the man and I've done all this, he was humble enough and said, you know what? Go get my brother so they won't be afraid so I can go ahead and then steal some things in them so they can go out here and do stuff in the highways and byways of life. You got, oh. He didn't care about the spotlight. That's why people say, what, what? See, that's, that's why you, you got to learn how to make disciples. Some people say, why you don't know so much stuff that be going on in your church? Because I know I'm making disciples. And they do this and do that. See, this is the thing. If you, you got two hands, you have two hands so that you can know you limited. Jesus himself said, I'm going to give up the Holy Ghost. I'm going to die and I'm going to give you the Holy Ghost because I can't be everywhere with you. Because God, Jesus knew his body limited him. But then he said, I'm going to let my spirit come out of my body to touch everybody. And when you make disciples, you touch other people. And so some people, your businesses aren't growing because you want to touch everything all the time. Had a gentleman that brought me a product, and he, he's shipping all these products around Virginia. He's driving. He delivers all the products. I said, man, I know you got a successful business, but can I tell you something? If you take your hands off of it a little bit, it'll, it'll expand. He said, what you mean? Why are you delivering all the products? It makes no sense. You're just hitting Virginia because you want to take it and hand deliver it to everybody. I don't want to be home when you get there. I don't want to try to be there. Just drop it off at the porch like everybody else. I got a ring. If somebody come get it, I'm going to send Jarrell to go get it back. Today, Jesus help me. <laughs> but I'm serious. But I said, dude, you can expand to the whole world if you just ship it or let Amazon or somebody else ship it for you. Send the UPS. You ain't got to do it. You could be making other products. But you done dedicated a whole day to make all these deliveries everywhere. Suffolk, Portsmouth, Newport News. What are you doing? You gotta learn how to teach somebody and release it. And some people think that that's making them smaller. That's increasing you because now you made somebody like you that's gonna take what you learned, they learn from you, and build upon it and make a greater impact. Everybody talk about Paul, but Barnabas is the one that brought Paul into the fold. So who really saved more people, Paul or Barnabas? The ultimate pyramid scheme to me. Because <laughs> I'm sure he get credit for every soul Paul saved because Barnabas is the one that said, you need to love this man. I know he killed your mama last week, but God delivered it. Pretty much what he said, because he was killing everybody. Just saying. Anyway, let me go ahead. Jesus wanted to have a relationship with you. Jesus demonstrated an enormous amount of love and even restraint by giving in to Thomas's demands. He said, look here, touch me. I want you because I want to reach you where you are. I know you feel like you're not doing what God wants you to do, but you're right where you're supposed to be. He reaches you where you are. He wanted, he desired faith for Thomas, and he wanted him to let go of his doubts and unbelief. The disciples were gathered as instructed. They were experiencing both fear and joy, and suddenly Jesus appeared. As a father comforts his children, Jesus comforted his disciples by assuring them he was real. 
He proved the reality of the resurrection. He appeared to Mary Magdalene and other women, to Emmaus, to the Emmaus disciples, and to the disciples without Thomas, and then again with Thomas, to 500 others, and finally to Paul himself. While Jesus walked on the earth, he was relational. He was Emmanuel. God is with us. Jesus touched people. Jesus is relational. That's why the devil always want to make you mad at somebody. You know that? He wants to break the relationship because one can set a thousand, two can do what? Set ten thousand. Jesus wants to be a relationship. He wants you to know how to be a relationship. You can't build something to its greatest capacity by yourself. You need partnerships. You need somebody to sharpen the iron you have. Iron sharpens iron. I can't get a knife and sharpen it in the air like this. Y'all be like, that joke crazy. What are you doing? I'm trying to sharpen the knife. Pastor, we need a new pastor. No, you got to get another knife and scrape it together. Iron sharpens iron, not just by itself. You can't sharpen yourself with your paranoid self. Can't be scared of everybody. I know you got hurt, but you got to trust somebody for God to take you to the next level. Because he taught us the purpose of relationship. Three, I'm almost there. The reality of the resurrection is found in restored lives. In John 21, 15 through 17, it says, we find what is called Peter's uh, reinstatement. He said, uh, John 21, 15 through 17, so when they had died, Jesus said unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, yeah, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He said unto him, feed my lamb. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He said unto him a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him a third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. After the meal, the disciples on the shore uh, were on the shore of Galilee, Sea of Galilee. Jesus addressed Peter directly for the first time since the resurrection. The last time Jesus spoke to Peter, it was commanded. It was a command in the Garden of Gethsemane, a place of suffering. Jesus was arrested. Tensions were high. Peter did what he knew. He assaulted a, a soldier. And Jesus said, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? This time, when Peter, after the resurrection, was, it was different. The place was different. Jesus met Peter in a place of comfort where Peter had first met Jesus. From now on, you will fish for people. That's what he told him. It was a place of audacious, audacious faith where Peter once walked on water, a place where Peter felt most at home. Here, Jesus asked Peter the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than thee? Peter surprised, Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Why three times? To remind Peter of the three times he had denied him. Maybe, but I would like to think of, this, of it this way. Jesus gave Peter the opportunity to make up the three times he had denied him, a kind of do-over. He offered Peter a second chance. 
The death of the resurrection of Jesus left a profound impact on Peter's life. He finally learned what it meant to be a disciple of Christ after denying Jesus. It probably was a lesson he would, would have preferred to learn differently, but it was a moment Peter would never forget. Jesus pursued Peter. Jesus invited Peter. Jesus began a conversation with Peter, and the conversation was about love. This is the message. We will know how, we won't know how to love until we love Jesus. Jesus told Peter, if you love me, take care of my sheep. Oh, can I tell you something? Can I talk to the pastor out there? If you don't love Jesus, you ain't going to love your congregation because they're going to get on your nerves sometimes. If you don't love Jesus, you ain't going to love your neighbor. Uh, see, see, see this is, we are to love people the same manner we love Jesus. See, Jesus restored Peter to confirm his word over Peter's life. He says in, in Matthew 16 and 18, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. You know Jesus told him this before he denied him? <sighs> Look here, restore. <laughs> when you mess up, let me get out of here. When you mess up in a relationship, the relationship is more intense, the relationship is more genuine, the relationship is more pure. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he reminded the disciples of their own assignment. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. The restoration of their assignment teaches them to stay, to, to stay together, to wait for the power, to trust in God, and to remember God's promises. See, it matters how you treat the resurrection. It either entertains us or propels us forward. We are either a passive participant in God's liberating, redeeming plan, or we are actively engaged, moving in the power and authority of the resurrection. Thomas's faith needed to be once and for all resolved before he could receive the fire of the Holy Spirit. Thomas needed to move from relationship with his rabbi, Jesus, to a genuine, authentic relationship with him as the Savior, Jesus Christ. And he needed to be restored to his calling and assignment. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is meant to be real in our everyday lives, not tucked away in some nice little story, uh, but living, breathing, and powerfully stirring our lives just as it did the lives of the disciples. And I'm going to end with this while I started my introduction. No matter how numb you find yourself, how dead and hopeless your situation may be, it is no match for the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, what can stop you? The same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is what will raise your dead relationship. It'll raise your dead job. It'll raise a dead opportunity. It'll raise it up. So even though you might have been messed up for four days, more than four days, a year, just like Lazarus was dead for four days in the grave, no matter how long your situation has been dead, Jesus has the power to restore it. You always have hope. Why? This is what you need to end with. He who began a good work in you shall finish it. As long as you're faithful with him, God will restore you. God will make whatever is wrong in your life right in the name of Jesus.